And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, <laughs> listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. <laughs> I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show, and then it's a drama of espionage on I Was a Communist for the FBI, starring Dana Andrews. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. Hey, Carl. No E at the Do end. Do you know I'm sort of missing that little joke at the beginning? This is Lisa, my oh, co-host. Oh, yeah. You know what? Little, uh, um, we had a writer. You're we slipping. had a writer on the payroll <laughs> couldn't and couldn't afford, afford, couldn't afford him anymore. I, I he was $14 a week. Things are and tight. And that is, uh, you know what, that's a couple of trips to Starbucks that I can do now, yes. which I wasn't able to do before. That's very important. So uh, what's happening in the world of Hollywood? Well, we have some A-listers who have gathered recently to honor Lorne Michaels at the Lincoln Center Gala. Uh-huh. So we've got Steven Spielberg and Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon and Steve Martin and some of the other people that you know and love. So this is Lincoln Center's American Songbook Gala, which was just last week. And Lorne Michaels watched his friend and his colleagues perform specifically in his honor, which is really nice. Some of the highlights from that night, we've got Tina Fey and her husband, Jeff Richmond, and I know you're a huge Tina Fey fan. So. Tina Fey's married? Um, I don't have a chance? I, well, no, that I didn't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know Tina Fey was married. She is. Oh, man. Jeff Richmond is her husband. I guess I could scratch her off the, the list then, huh? Is she on your list? Yeah, she's on I my know, list. I know you like her. Of course. Um, you know, John well, Stamos is Just because I think Tina she's so talented. I mean, she's beautiful, too, but she's super, super talented. She's super talented. She'd have me laughing all the time. If, well, that's you know, my job. You know? Yeah, but you're married. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> So she wrote and directed a show with her husband that included Steve Martin, Martin Short, Candace Bergen, Steven Spielberg, Diane Sawyer, Maya Rudolph, and the list goes on and on. Right. I can Was only Kristen imagine. Was Kristen Wiig there? Because you know I like her too. I I don't recall. It's very possible. I think she's single. Check it out. Yeah, I'll have to yeah, check that Carl, out. Yeah, Carl, on the pro. Pretty sure she is single. Um, I didn't know that was. And a, she turned down twenty point. million dollars to do Bridesmaids too, so she's got to be, you know, doing okay for herself. Uh, right, that might be you a know? good catch for you, Carl. All right, so there we go. So uh, exactly. <laughs> Thanks. You'll have some more stargazing later. I certainly will. All right, very good. All right, it's time now for the conclusion. We started this last time. The Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. Let's go back to January 8, 1950. Red paint on the poodle. Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Hey, Curly, do you think maybe there's something in my ear that's causing my strange affliction? Could be. Maybe you got a tick in there. <laughs> hey, hold still, Remley. I'll look in your ear and see. Hold over here. Hmm. It's kind of dark in there. Well, I light a match. Now, let me see now. 
Hey, don't hold the match so close to my ear. Will, will you? you hold still? I want to study All this. Right. I got to... It's about time somebody set fire to Mr. Remley. With <laughs> all the alcohol in him, he'd make a beautiful blaze. You keep quiet, Julius. Now hold still, Frankie. All right. Hmm. I don't see nothing in your left ear, Remley. Well, come over here and look in his right ear. I see something astounding in here. <laughs> what do you see? The light shining through from his left ear. <laughs> Julius, you can see the light shining through. <laughs> Julius, you mean... Like an empty attic. <laughs> Come here and look, Mr. Harris. It's... Oh, oh. oh, that frightened me. What frightened you? A bat just flew out of me. <laughs> Julius, one more crack out of you and I'll... Uh, I'll spill this can of paint over you. Keep your shirt on. What are you looking at us here for anyway, Mr. Harris? Well, kid, Mr. Remley has a very strange affliction. You see, he hears like a dog. Hey, this guy's a regular menagerie. What do you mean, menagerie? He hears like a dog, eats like a pig, and drinks like a fish. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Harris, does any other member of his family suffer from this? Does he have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, he's one of a litter of five. <laughs> Let's see, there was Prince, King, Rover... Uh... Uh, 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 Mr. Remley, please don't bark while us humans is talking. <laughs> that doesn't. You're getting this paint can right on your head. Now take that. Oh, Remley, look what you got now. You got that red paint all over the dog. How am I going to explain this to Mr. Scott? How his dog got red? Tell him his French poodle joined the Communist Party. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, <Hello>, fellas. <laughs> Lovely kid. Yeah. He's a grand boy. He's got all the charm of an old man's knee. (laughs) Oh, Remley, now look. Just take a look at that dog. He's covered with red paint. What are we going to do? If Scotty ever sees his dog like this, I'm a cinch to lose my job. Now, we got to get the paint off of her hair. Take it easy, will you? We'll get it off. Oh, sure. All we have to do is... You go answer the phone. I'll get the paint off of the dog. Let's see. Where does Curly keep his electric razor? <laughs> okay, stop shivering, Pooch. There you are. Hey, you look great, kid. Not a hair on hey, you. Hey, Remley, I got news for you. We're cooked. That was Mr. Scott on the phone. He had to postpone his trip, and he's coming over to get his... St- Remley, where'd you get that plucked chicken? That's Scotty's dog. I shaved all her hair off. Oh, no. Oh, a nude French poodle? Somehow she looks indecent. Throw a rug or a kimono or something over her. I think she looks very attractive. Only to you, Ren Tin Tin. 
Frankie, if Scotty sees his dog like this, he's going to raise the roof. Her fancy hairdo is the most important part of a dog. I know that, and when Scotty gets here, she'll have hair. <laughs> Hand me that bottle of glue. <laughs> you mean you're going to paste the hair back on the dog? Oh, Curly, don't get hokey. Besides, there's paint on the old hair. I'm going to paste this on. Looks like poodle hair, but it's much more luxurious. Yeah, it is. What is that? Alice's Persian lamb muff. <laughs> I know what I'm doing every minute. Frankly, will you listen to me? You can't do that. It's too late. It's already cut, measured, and ready to fit. Now hold the dog still while I paste it on. Oh, Remley, why do you always get... Well, that's all we got left to do now, and I'll tell you something. We got to hurry, Frankie. Mr. Scott will be here any minute. Now, look, do you remember how her fancy hairdo looks? Stop worrying, will you? I'll put it on just the way it was. You better put it on. Yeah. Well, she's all pasted, Curly. How does she look? I don't know, Frankie. Didn't she have a tuft of hair on, on top of her head? No. It was under her chin, just the way I got it. <laughs> well, maybe you're right. Hmm? But is it supposed to be shaped like a Van Dyke? <laughs> she looks like an ad for Bach beer. I think she looks swell. Notice how deftly I applied these clumps of fur here and there. Gives her a look of studied carelessness. Well, maybe she looks all right, but wait a minute. Hmm? What's that limp strip of fur hanging down the back of her? Oh, that's her new tail. <laughs> new tail? Mm-hmm. What happened to her old one? Well, while I was working on her, she kept swishing it in my face, so I glued it to her stomach. <laughs> Frankie, this is a sad-looking animal, and I know that Scotty is going oh, to be... You are, Harris. Oh, Mrs. Harris told me you had my beautiful dog in here. And I... I... What is that horrible monstrosity? That horrible monstrosity is your beautiful dog. What happened to her? She used to have hair on top of her head and all along the top of her shoulders. Now she has it hanging from her chin and under her stomach. Turn her upside down. She'll be as good as new. <laughs> I should have known better than to leave her here with you two maniacs. Come, Madame Bovary, we're going home. Daddy will pick you up. I can't budge her. Remley, you put too much glue on her stomach and she's stuck to the floor. Pull a little harder, Scotty. Oh, oh you poor dog. But don't worry. We'll get back at those two right now. Now, wait a minute, Scotty. Wait a minute. Take it easy. Don't stick that dog on us. Dog nothing. I'm going to bite you myself. Oh, wait. Don't roll yourself. I can explain. I didn't mean to. Scotty, stop chewing on my leg. Take off your guard, you coward. Oh, God. Friends, this is Phil Harris. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This program was
produced and directed by Paul Phillips. Included in today's cast were Gail Gordon and Stan Freeberg. Frank Remley was played by Elliot Lewis, and Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Stay tuned for Sam Spade, then two great stars on Theater Guild on NBC. And that's the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show, named after uh, Lisa's mom, right? That's right. January 8th, 1950, Red Paint on the Poodle, starring Phil Harris and Alice Faye, sponsored by Rexall, as heard on NBC. Also in the cast, Ann Whitfield, Elliot Lewis, Gail Gordon, Janine Roos, Robert North, Stan Freeberg in that cast. I want to mention that. My good pal Stan Freeberg in the cast there, and also Walter Tetley. Bill Foreman, who was the whistler doing the announcing on that. Let's take a break now, and then it's much more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. This is Hollywood 360. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf across the council from me. We play classic radio shows for you, six programs Every single week. And if you miss any hour of this program, it's podcast on our website. Right, Lisa? Yes, Hollywood 360 Radio. That's right. And we also have uh, an extra hour of classic radio at that podcast. So just go to Hollywood360radio.com. As soon as you log on, right then and there is the podcast that you can listen to, the full four-hour show and an extra hour of classic radio. So check that out at our website. It's time now, though. For an espionage uh, drama on I Was a Communist for the FBI. It's based on the book by real-life undercover agent Matt Savetic. I Was a Communist for the FBI was a dramatization of Savetic's life during the time he infiltrated the Communist Party of the United States of America and reported back to the FBI on their activities. In real life, Savetic lost nearly everything he loved, his wife, children, parents, friends, but the one thing he didn't lose was his love of country, and that love for America is what kept him going. His recruitment by the FBI was something out of a spy movie. After failing to gain entry into the U.S. Army in 1941 because he was too short, Savetic received a mysterious phone call from the FBI. He met with his FBI boss only once and never met him again, though submitted over 50,000 pages of reports. In the radio series heard in 1952 and 53, Dana Andrews, as Savetic, painted a picture of a man constantly struggling to walk a fine line between discovery by the communists and doing his job to gather information and set roadblocks to their activities in the United States. So let's tune this in. True crime cases of the FBI and the communists. Let's go back now to May 24th, 1953. It's called Abby, as in Abigail, and it stars Dana Andrews in I Was a Communist for the FBI. I Was a Communist for the FBI. Starring Dana Andrews in an exciting tale of danger and espionage, I Was a Communist for the FBI. You are about to hear a strange story. Names, dates, and places are, for obvious reasons, fictional. But many of these incidents are based on the actual experiences of Matt Savetic, who for nine fantastic years lived as a communist for the FBI. Here is our star, Dana Andrews, as Matt Savetic. For nine years, I was like the Dutch boy at a broken dike, trying to plug leaks that could widen into a torrent and a flood. Fighting in the darkness of undercover to prevent disaster. 
dreaming a strange, recurring dream that the water trickling ominously from the breaches in the dike was red. Blood, blood red. Nine long years. Now here is Dana Andrews as Matt Sabatik, Undercover Man. This story from the confidential file is marked Abby, as in Abigail. Sometimes I have days like this. Days when I want to crawl into a deep hole and just sulk. Or do some hard physical work to sweat the venom and self-hate out of my system. Days like this, I hate the words communism, sell, Trotskyite, common form, agitprop, party line. Hate them. But there's Comrade Revchenko fronting for Moscow. And he's got party work for me again. Like it or not. And I hate it. Days like today. Comrade Sovetic, you know, of course, about the organization known as the American Rally for Peace and Tolerance. The RPAT? Yes. Something for us to infiltrate, I take it. My dear Sovetic, do you pretend not to know that the RPAT has been a communist front for five years? I'm not pretending anything. I just didn't know it. Strange. The FBI knows it. The FBI? At least the RPAT is suspected of being a party front. Oh, that's something else again. Nothing I can do about it, is there? You will think of something to reestablish confidence in the American rally for peace and tolerance before it's too late. That's a pretty big order, coming cold like this. 280 local members of RPAT will cooperate in any workable plan to whitewash them. Hasn't the Kremlin a plan? Why are we the patsies? Five o'clock, Comrade Sovetic. What about five o'clock? I will be waiting here for you. To discuss your plan. I go out steaming quietly. I find a good safe pay station and telephone my FBI contact. It's my day to be disagreeable, all right. I suddenly hate all the hocus pocus of calling the FBI and using that red pony to blue fox gibberish so necessary to secrecy. I even resent having to call a perfectly respectable little cafe where we meet. Rendezvous Green. When my FBI contact walks in, I'm waiting for him with acid in my soul. I tell him of the assignment Revchenko has tossed into my lap and incidentally let off a lot of dangerously explosive steam. And you say you're supposed to come up with an idea by five this evening? That is correct. Somewhere, Revchenko heard that Rome was built in a day and that Sovetic was the architect. <laughs> the noblest Roman of them all. Oh, funny. I never was so close to chucking this job as I am right now. What's the matter? Just once, that's all. Just once, I'd like to perform some straight right-handed service for my country. No strings attached. We always wanted to be dead sure that the RPAT was really a red front. We are sure now, thanks to you. That's a big service, Matt. Maybe. But now, I've got the whitewash a red front. And somebody's going to get hurt in the process. It's a fight, Matt. War means casualties. Just once... I'd like to do a lot of good without doing even a little harm. Well, you have any ideas for Revchenko come five o'clock? Blank. Nothing. Maybe you're fighting it too hard. Have you got any inspirations? No. Are you fighting it too hard? You've got me there, man. Well, I'll think of something. Matthew, who pays for the lunch? Call it. Heads. Heads it is. <laughs> Best thing that's happened to me all week. See you around. Good luck, man. Keep in touch. 
Nice going, gal. Are you hurt? Did I hit you at all? No, no, no. Oh, I did. I just grazed my knee with your bumper. Is that all? (laughs) That's funny. Getting nicked by a Red Cross station wagon. Oh, I'm just a volunteer in the Red Cross blood donor service. You're sure you're all right now? Yeah, I'm fine. Now, you better come with me. Where to? The hospital. I tell you, I'm perfectly okay. No, take my arm. And don't argue, please. All right, nurse. I'm not a nurse. I'm just doing this to humor you, not draw a crowd. You get in first, can you? Now, go on, slide in. All right, but... Now, can you get in alone? With my dying effort. Like so. I don't want to quarrel, but you really stepped right out in front of me. Sorry, I can't discuss it. Why? See, my lawyer. Really? (laughs) No, I was off in a cloud. Polyclinic, Polly. Oh, Oh, you had me worried. I watch the girl secretly as she drives, carefully, yet relaxed and confident. And very, very fetching in the blue uniform of the Red Cross volunteers. I say girl, she isn't quite. Thirty, maybe. With a look of kindliness and patience maturing her eyes and mouth. It's a firm, good face. Tempered, it seems to me, in sadness and experience. I like it. I like her. I make conversation to hear her voice and to find out what I can about her. While I can. Your time is short with decent people when you're a communist for the FBI. Blood donor service, you said? Yes. Nice jobs, these station wagons. Well, this one's fairly new. Expensive? Oh, well, I'd rather not say. You see, they're often donated to us. Oh, I see. You don't want to put a price on generosity. Yes. This car donated? It says on the door panel. Well, I didn't notice. In memory of Major Robert Quinton. Oh. How's the leg? Oh, nary a pang. Well, you'd better exchange cards anyhow, just in case. <laughs> I'm just plain Matt Svetic. No steel engraved cards. I'm Mrs. Robert Quinton. Oh. Well, you donated the car, then. You can reach me through the Red Cross. Well, I'm sure it won't be necessary. It must be pretty busy, anyhow. But unfortunately, no. Why not? Well, I don't know. People don't quite realize the importance of the blood donor program. The urgent need for blood plasma and whole blood war or peace. Maybe it takes you to tell them. All right. When did you last give blood? Uh, yeah. I won't pursue the point. Well, I... I wish I could explain. Especially to... To somebody like you. Well, I mean... Somebody who's... Uh, lost somebody. No, oh, never mind. I'm sorry. It was a training flight... He was an instructor. They're just as gone, however they go. Oh, you get over it. You try. The blood bank has its share of visitors who are getting over it without forgetting. Yeah. And that's part one of I Was a Communist for the FBI from May 24th, 1953. Abby as in Abigail, starring Dana Andrews. We'll get back to that in just a few minutes. But let's take a quick break, Lisa, and then we'll be back here with more classic radio on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. 
And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to the show. Let's get back now to this uh, drama on I Was a Communist for the FBI. I study the strong, gentle contours of her face. I like her laughter, but her melancholy pierces me through and through. All at once, I feel exactly like shedding about 500 cubic centimeters of Sovietic blood without any strings attached. I want to do something for somebody, whether my red comrades like it or not, and they won't. I haven't an idea in my head for Revchenko and Arpat, the communist front crowd right now. I'm in business for myself, personally. Look, how about this? Yes? I'm not hurt, see? Well, we'll let the doctor decide that. All right, we'll let the doctor decide it. Drive me around the block to the blood bank and let the doctor there decide if I'm okay. And if I am, I'd like to donate a pint of blood. What's the matter? Well, are you... You're not just doing this for me. Let's say I'm doing it for me. Blood bank, Polly. Then I better make a right turn here. And the name is Abby. Abby as in Westminster? Abby as in Abigail. Matt, as in Sovetic. How do you do? Fine. I'm feeling strangely exhilarated, lightheaded. I feel great. Inside of 20 minutes, I'm lying on a cot in the blood donor center with a dozen other donors. I watch a half-liter flask fill up with 500 cubic centimeters of Matthew Sovetic. I don't feel a thing except that strange exhilaration. Then, it's over. The nurse helps me off the cot, and here comes Abby, as in Abigail, to usher me into the commissary for refreshments. How do you feel, Mr. Spedick? Oh, I feel fine. Keep that bandage on your arm until tomorrow. The nurse told me. And drink lots of fluids. <laughs> as if I ever drink anything but fluids. Well, it's good we met, isn't it? I think so. Come back soon? I'll check directly with you. That's all right with you. That would be all right, yes. Well... Fun's fun, but I gotta be going. Goodbye, Mr. Svetik. Yeah. And thank you. I'm still feeling pretty good. I nod and grin inanely at other donors waiting their turn in the foyer. Walk outside. Pretty soon I come down to Earth again and remember it's time for my regular telephone check with Revchenko. Svetik. Yes? I must see you at once. You said you wanted to see me at five o'clock. I'm telling you now that I want to see you now. I haven't given the Arpet situation enough thought yet. Now, Semitic. Okay. I head for headquarters. The exhilaration of the blood bank all evaporated. I'm worried whenever Revchenko takes that blunt attitude. When I walk into his office, I know right off the heat is on and hot. Tell me about your morning, Comrade Sovetic. What do you mean, after I left you this morning? After you left me this morning, yes. Well, first I... Well, why? Just tell me, that's all. I'm interested in your day. Well, nothing much. I walked around, had lunch. Where? Where did I walk? Where did you have lunch? What's the difference? Some little joint? Near the blood donor center, perhaps? Could be. In the blood donor center, perhaps? I don't get you. You do know, however, that it is sharply forbidden for party members to cooperate in any way with the American Red Cross? Certainly I do. Why? Comrade Sovetic, roll up your sleeve. 
have to think fast. If Rev Chinko learns I actually gave blood at the blood bank, I'm in serious trouble. The bandage is in the crook of my left arm. I fumble at the cuff of my right sleeve, stalling for time, thinking hard and fast, fighting down panic. If Rev Chinko learns the truth, I'm through in the Communist Party, and useless, therefore, to the FBI. And then, with a kind of a little shock of discovery, I get my inspiration. Idea. A great idea. Why were you seen coming out of the Blythe Street Blood Donor Center? Huh? Who saw me? Does it matter you were seen? Well, I was working on an idea for the American Rally for Peace and Tolerance. And that's why you betray your party? Oh, I wouldn't say that, Revchenko. What would you say, then? Look here. Suppose the ARPAT volunteers en masse to contribute blood. Are you insane? We give a couple of hundred pints of blood, sure. But we publicize it big. We build up ARPAT as a patriotic force giving their blood for Uncle Sam. Oh, few people may still have their doubts, but mostly it'll be a lot easier sledding for the rally from there on in. Oh. I can erase and take over the Blythe Street Donor Center for the day. Photographs, reporters, sob interviews, some good old phonus balonus about our American responsibilities to America, the works. Leave it all to me and it's a breeze. Huh? How soon can this be done? I'll get on it right away. Not bad, Sovetic. Get on with it. <laughs> Hello, Abby? Uh, Mrs. Quentin? Hello. Hello? Oh, Abby, I've struck big pay dirt for you. Mr. Spedick? I think I've talked 280 members of the American Rally for Peace and Tolerance into coming down and giving blood. Oh, how wonderful. The question is, can you handle it all in one day? Well, name the day, that's all. Tomorrow? Oh, well, that would mean some cancellations, and we don't want to lose a single donor. The next day, then. Fine. What time? Early. Dawn to dusk. That's a contract, girl. I'll call you about exact arrangements later. So long for now. Matt. Yeah? Thank you, Matt. So much. Matt, she called me. Matt. I'm feeling pretty good as I hit the telephone and make arrangements with our Pat, the newspapers, and the local radio for publicity on the grand gesture. It's almost too good to believe. I've actually conned the party into giving blood to the American Red Cross. Two mornings later, the comrades of our Pat start showing up bright and early, and for the rest of the long day, there isn't a dull moment. Somewhere along late in the afternoon, I make my routine telephone check with Rev Chinko and get the first hint of sudden disaster. Sovetic, report to my office immediately. Why? What's the matter? Don't talk now. Do as I say, reporter, at once. But I... At once, Sovetic. Now What? <laughs> News of your scheme has reached the highest echelons of our apparatus in America. It simply will not do to give blood to a culture we despise. But don't they understand? We've gotten great value for it. Our pad will be in the clear again. I tell you it will not do, Smithick. And I tell you it's done. Then undo it. How? Destroy the blood flask somehow. We can't do that. You can't, but you will. Well, I'll try to think of something. You must. When can you bring me a plan? I'll call you later. I'll be here, Savetic. Waiting.
Tough situation, Matt. I didn't want to drag the FBI into this more than I had to, but I need help. I hate to be this negative about it, Matt, but you have no choice. Let the comrades get back their blood. I won't do it. No other choice, Matt. So what is there to do? The idea is to have a comrade pose as a hold-up man making his escape. He stops a blood transport on the highway at gunpoint, commandeers the car, and hides it away for two days. If whole blood isn't processed in two days, it's worthless. Well, yeah, it begins to take shape. They don't dare actually destroy the flasks. They would point the finger straight at them, as you point out. Oh, that'll work all right. It's just a shame, that's all. Find out when the blood will be taken out tonight to the processing center. Call Revchenko, tell him your plan, and describe the route of the car. Oh, yeah. He'll get some zealous comrade to flag it down, all right. Better get going on it right away, Matt. I call Abby, find out the time she's leaving with the unprocessed blood, learn the route, and make a date to ride down with her to the processing lab. Then I call Revchenko... Make an appointment with him and give him the layout. He likes it. Why shouldn't he like it? It was cut to measure by the FBI. I wait for 9.30 at night and ride the long ride to the processing lab in Abby Quentin's heavily loaded station wagon. A very, very bad company for a good-looking widow. Matt, what's the matter? Nothing. Well, you've been so quiet. I I get these moods. (laughs) Good thing for a girl to know. Pretty dark stretch, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I know it perfectly by now. Is it always so deserted? Well, I picked it because it's deserted. I don't like traffic around when I'm driving blood. Too precious to risk. It's packed securely, isn't it? Heavy wooden cases, cork liners, metal petitions. But a hard blow and somebody might lose out. Burned child, wounded soldier, Somebody. So many somebodies. Oh, Abby, look out! Oh, God. There's somebody in the road. He's waving at us, limping. Don't get out. He can make it. Thanks, friend. Thanks, friend. What's the matter? What's wrong? My car spun off the highway. Are you hurt? My head. I don't know. Get me to a hospital. Well, climb in. Give him your hand, man. Here. Yeah, thanks, pal. Now get rolling. Fast. Oh. Go easy on that trigger, pal. And get going. Better do it, Abby. Sorry, friends. That's all right. It's a pleasure. Little job went wrong in a gas station. I had to blast the attendant. Cops put an APB on their short way with a description of my car. Had to change transportation. Understand? Perfectly. Oh. Red Cross car, huh? Couldn't have picked better. Take a left at the next interchange or I'm not responsible. You hear me? I hear you. Watch it, girl. He killed one man. I won't let him kill 50. There are 300 pints of whole blood in this car. All with the necessary tests made at the center. Emergency. Emergency? There's been an urgent call for whole blood to be flown overseas. I thought we were going to the processing center. We branch off on the airport road. You take the next interchange, lady. No airport. Don't miss it, lady. I wouldn't count on it if I were you. She means it. I know she's telling the truth. There are 300 pints of life stowed away behind us in those blue cases. And I don't much care what might happen to me if I try to help and get those cases delivered to that plane. I want to look real good come judgment day. I want to look good to the Abbey Quentins of this world. 
and to this special Abby Quinton in particular. Only how? Wreck the station wagon and hope to reload on a passing truck or car? What if we burn? Suppose the flasks are all smashed. Suppose we're hurt and helpless to explain the situation to any passerby. Suppose... Suppose she's killed. Think, Semitic. Think and act. Do something. Watch it now. Interchange is that ahead. What's that? I don't know, but I can guess. We've been going over 80. Cops? Yeah. They're flashing us now. Step on it, you. Get moving. I can't go any faster. Do you want to direct the car, you lunatic? Yeah, I want to direct the car. Yeah. Yeah. You're crazy. That's right, lady. You're so right, lady. Yell at him. Tell him, Red Cross. Tell him, emergency. Tell him, go on. That's all right, officers. Emergency. Red Cross to airport. Emergency. No. Stop. No. Yeah, too late, lady. They're going places. No. No. They want us to follow. Oh, oh, this is funny. They're giving us a police escort to the airport. Oh, no, they're not. Isn't it funny, though? It's wonderful. Well, let me hit that wheel. What are you... Stop. Yeah. You fool. No, don't. You're don't. Right, you fool. You're... I wake up slowly. It smells like a hospital. Then like perfume. It's both. I see clean gray walls. And I see Abby smiling down at me. Hi, Matt. <laughs> You're a mess. Oh, listen to you. What's a black eye and a patch on my cheek? Look at you. What about me? Oh, nothing permanent. You took the windshield way out. Well, what about the flasks? Did it all smash? Just a few bottles. The police put the rest aboard almost on schedule. And they have our gun-happy friend. Well, that's fine. I'll be back tomorrow night. Good. Good night, Matt. Bye, Abby. As in Abigail. She's back the next night. And the next and the next. She's probably back the following night, too. I wouldn't know. Because I'm gone by then. Because I don't think I can face her evening after evening without losing my nerve and my job with the FBI. I'd go soft. I'd chicken. So I'm out of there before visiting hour the fourth night around. The comrades can't say I didn't try. So I'm in the clear. They won't wreck another blood transport car. Twice might rub the whitewash off the American rally for peace and tolerance. They don't know that the FBI knows what's underneath that whitewash. Red. Bright red. So maybe I don't do too badly at times, but it gets harder and harder to say goodbye when the Abby Quinton say goodnight. But I'm a communist for the FBI. I walk alone. undercover behind-the-scenes struggle for America and the entire world. 
It was another story stemming from the real experiences of Matt Savetic, who worked undercover for the FBI. Next week, another exciting and compelling adventure. So be with us, won't you? See you. That's I Was a Communist for the FBI, May 24th, 1953, Abby as in Abigail, starring Dana Andrews, as syndicated by Ziv. Let's take a break, then it's more on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. You probably heard some new commercials for our sponsor called Epizen, and we have the co-founder of Epizen in with us. She's also a licensed esthetician, Maureen Kelly. Welcome to the show, Maureen. Thank you. So tell us about Epizen. What is it exactly? Epizen is an all-natural zinc gluconate topical for the skin with taurine and lysine, and it heals many skin conditions such as um, eczema, rashes, itchy dry skin, cracked skin, leg ulcers, diabetic ulcers, rashes, shingles. Oh, wow. Well, you know, we are very particular on who our sponsors are. And when you guys approached us, I used the product for quite some time. And I have, I have very dry skin. He's very sensitive. And I have been <laughs> using Epizen, and it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. My skin is so, it, it's not, uh, it doesn't have any flakiness anymore. It's nice and smooth. The wrinkles are gone. I really like that. The wrinkles are gone, Lisa. Yes. <laughs> if only. Um, you mentioned that it contains certain ingredients. What ingredients did you just mention that it contains? Uh, zinc gluconate is the main ingredient, along with taurine and lysine. So ah, okay. what what does that what does that mean for us as the consumer? Well, uh, most people are zinc deficient, so um, this type zinc gluconate will penetrate into your skin cells rather than just sitting on top of the skin. It actually goes into your skin cells to help heal the skin. And can anyone use Epizen? Anyone can use Epizen from babies to the elderly. Oh, okay. Very good. Can yeah. be used on cradle cap, diaper rash, all the way to wounds, leg ulcers, diabetic ulcers, shingles within the elderly. This product really works, folks. So if you have a skin ailment of any type, you should try Epizen because it's a money-back guarantee anyway. So, I mean, if it doesn't work for them for whatever reason, they could return it and get their money back. Absolutely. And we have pictures... On our website, Hollywood360radio.com. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Check out some of these before and after pictures of people that have used Epizen. Um, it's, you know, people say it may be too good to be true. Check it out and try it for yourself, right? Absolutely. And now you uh, founded this company how many years ago? How long has it been in business? Uh, since 2007. Maureen, tell me about the business and how, as a licensed esthetician, you started this business. Well, uh, my husband and I actually started the business. Um, my husband had many skin issues and had seen many uh, different dermatologists, doctors that gave him prescription drugs, and we found that the, the drugs weren't working any longer, and they were beginning to thin his skin, and we were concerned of something called Cushing's disease, from um, using all these steroids. So we started researching and finding out that most people were zinc deficient, and that zinc deficiency caused um, reactions and flare-ups on your skin. So we decided to create Epizen, which is that zinc gluconate topical, which will heal 
various skin conditions. You know, shingles is a big disease right now. And this is this does wonders if you have shingles, correct? Absolutely. Helps with that pain associated with the shingles and the healing. And you have a couple different varieties, right? Uh, yes. We have our um, Epizen Regular, which comes in spray and gel. We have our Epizen Plus Lidocaine, which is for uh, burns or painful uh, situations on the skin. And then we have our Epizen Plus Camphor, which is great for treating swelling or inflammation of the skin. You have thousands of people that have been using it, and they're repeat customers. Absolutely. And how do they get it? How could they get Epizen? They can get Epizen online at epizen.com. That's E-P-I-Z-Y-N.com. Or they can call toll-free at 844-ZINC-FOR-US. That's 844-Z-I-N-C, the number four, us. Great. Well, check it out. Do do purchase Epizen. You're going to love it. And for any reason it doesn't work for you, you get your money back. Thank you very much, Maureen. Thank Great you. Great to see you. Well, Lisa, that wraps up Hour 2 of Hollywood 360. In our next hour, it's Lights Out. You won't want to miss that. Plus, Fibber McGee and Molly. We'll see you on our next show. 